Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have with us here today on Advice Worth Keeping, Mr. Arun Ghosh. Arun is a principal in the U.S. firm, part of the advisory service line, focused on information, integration, automation. So, Arun, thanks for joining us here today on the Advice Worth Keeping podcast series. Happy to be here. So, a very interesting and important topic today, and really what we're going to talk about, it's quite a big topic, but I know, Arun, you can really take it down a level such that our listeners really understand what to do about these challenges and opportunities, but we want to talk about the workforce of the future. And the reason for that is there's obviously a lot going on in the market today. We have millennials coming into the workforce. And they're a very different type of worker than we may have seen in the past. They have different needs, different desires that need to be accommodated. Low unemployment rates, which is a switch from the past. There's a lot of skills shortages out there. Aging workforces, people with a lot of experience are retiring. And we have the big boogeyman of automation. How many jobs will be automated or how many portions of jobs will be? And then for those employees that are left, how do they step up to become more strategic? And then there's certainly a lot of market disruption relative to the changing dynamics of competition. So we have different entrants coming in from the tech space, getting into non-traditional areas. So the question is for organizations that have built their workforce model, how do they respond to these changes, particularly some of the new entrants into the market? Maybe I'll run to start out. If you just want to describe for our listeners, really what's changing in the workforce today than what we may have seen from five to ten years ago? I think there's a couple of factors that is influencing how organizations think about Workforce 2.0, if I can call it that. Right? Everybody thinks of 2.0 as a refresh. It isn't. And where 2.0 is being defined for the workforce of the future is essentially the combination of how to acquire talent, how to manage engagement, and how to build better culture. And if you pin it on those three things, the first process or the first step that most organizations or HR leaders are asking themselves is, do I have a very cohesive, not comprehensive, cohesive strategic workforce plan that takes all these three things around culture, talent acquisition, and engagement, and put it in a structural way that I can execute to my corporate strategy and my corporate plan? And as part of those three things is essentially not just acquiring talent in different regions, but also making sure there is a fit for use to your point about intelligent automation, I think there's a lot of apprehension in saying robotics is going to replace a worker in a particular assembly line. That is not true. What we're seeing is an adjustment, a cultural adjustment as well as a mental adjustment in saying, okay, I have robotics for a certain back office operation or I have a certain business operation that is part of how I'm going to deploy robotics. But the workforce of the future is now going to take that, become a little more efficient around driving sales or better customer service or better delivery of product. And we're seeing that with UPS. We're seeing that with Walmart, where seasonality is a big issue. And we're seeing that in other big innovative companies like Amazon take shape. What's different about it this time? So we talk about the millennials, for example, but organizations have went through a lot of generational changes. You had the greatest generation. You had baby boomers. We had Gen X, Gen Y. We have millennials now. 
So you, you hit on a couple things, such as automation and some of the changing market dynamics, but are there other things that are different about this generational shift? And really, what does that mean to an organization if they're not really proactive in addressing this and really looking at this as perhaps a different generational shift than we've seen in the past, or more broadly, just a different change in the dynamics of what constitutes best practice and workforce management? What's different and really what's some of the risks organizations expose themselves to if they're not really proactive in addressing this. If you take a step back, most of our clients and most of our work in this area is, is companies that cross borders. So yes, there are millennial demographics joining the workforce, but when you step back, you have someone in the semiconductor space, and I gravitate to that because it's a great example of a global organization where you want to source talent where you want to design things. You want to source talent where you want to manufacture things. What has changed is essentially that it is all coming together in one way. You can have a backbone that is a workforce plan, but you have to have regional and specific culture definition of how to execute a strategic workforce plan. So I think it's hard to genericize, if I can call it that, in saying this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. But what is important to understand is the changing nature of these global spread of talent, as well as the engagement. I come come back to the employee engagement equation. That is becoming front and center for everybody. It wasn't before. And why? Because I think most companies are now saying there's a direct correlation between how my employees are engaged to my corporate culture and, and my plan and my goals versus what I want my customers to take over in terms of value and economic contribution. How are organizations doing today? You spend a lot of time out with clients. You've mentioned some of the work you've done. Are organizations as a whole or the HR organization on top of this, do they recognize that they need to do some of the things you've outlined, particularly around prioritizing employee engagement, so they recognize it and they're acting upon it? Or is there still some education going on out there? There's no such thing as a typical firm, but are most organizations kind of on top of this, or are they scrambling, or are they somewhere in between? And what's the time frame? I assume it's now. Yes. I think it's very widespread. You have traditional customers and clients and organizations thinking about saying, you know, we've done this, we've seen this, it's all wine in a new bottle, we'll figure it out. That's one end of the spectrum. Somewhere in the middle is, the time is now, we have good standard reports that measure employee engagement in the sense that how many people are joining the workforce, how many people are productive by a certain number of hours, have we met our goals and timelines and how are we doing in terms of customer satisfaction? These are easy things to measure that people think to have a pulse on. What they're trying to understand is if I'm going to have a customer centricity program or what we, from a KPMG perspective, are calling connect enterprise or connected customer, then if you don't have the front office, which is essentially dealing with your frontline consumers, customers, clients, whether it be Cisco in a B2B model or it is on a 1-800 helpline, it's still a very customer-driven view that is not taking shape in terms of the employee engagement on the back end. That's where I think a bulk of our clients' investments are going and saying connecting the middle office to the front office in terms of saying, if I have good enough employee engagement, how do I improve my customer satisfaction? And then on the other side, you have the subtitles like Amazon, as well as folks like GE who are coming out of the woodwork to say, we've thought about this all wrong. We need to figure out not just workforce template, but our ability to build new, better generation products is to make sure that what we make, what we plan to make, and what we plan to sell is pretty much aligned with how our employees are acquired, engaged, and complementary of our mission. 
So there's wide variety to answer your question, but the bulk of the companies are thinking through and CSRO mandates are coming down is right somewhere in the middle at this time. The next two years from now, I'd say people are gravitating more towards the right, which is more advanced. Okay, Aram, maybe just to wrap up here, what are the couple things that our listeners should make sure they're doing? And part of that would be, you mentioned really a need to understand your workforce beyond the basic metrics. So, you know, HR data analytics, I assume that's very important to this, but is it just the technology or is it really knowing what to do with it? So what are the couple things organizations go back and make sure they're doing? And is one of them really looking at their HR data analytics strategy capabilities and tools? Right. And so most companies and some of our clients, most of our clients already have something like an HR data warehouse where future, we know there's a lot of intelligent automation going on, but we're seeing a significant uptake in how we can acquire talent with AI. What I mean by that is we're putting logic in to understand right up front in the resume screening process to roll. There are organizations out there building components of how to automate, not automate, think through, again, is this person the right fit for this role? So one of the key takeaways, I could sort of go back to that example of saying, from a people analytics perspective, okay, you understand, but what is the actual intelligence that's coming out of it? And if we can form our customers to think more proactively, customer in, like market back and asset forward, the asset being your people and market back and the market being your customers, then we have a better perspective, actually, a point of view to go engage with our clients and continuously improve what they're thinking and where they are and with their HR investments. Okay, great. Well, good advice. I've seen a lot of organizations put a lot of investments into their data and analytics, but if they don't have that actionable intelligence, it can be all for naught or minimally it's an underinvestment. So a very good stuff for us. Thanks for taking time to join us today. We'll have to get you back again to talk about this in more detail. And for our listeners, if you want to follow up, there's some links to some other materials on the landing page for this podcast. If you got it off of iTunes, check it out on the KPMG site. There's some links to complement what Arun's talked to us about here today. So Arun, again, thanks for your time. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation. 